This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Well, hello and welcome back to the program. I'm Sterling Fox. In just a few minutes, you'll meet Terry Cassidy, founder and owner of Ergocentric, and Dr. Jeff Wright, a Vancouver ergonomist, who will both tell us about the world's best office chair. We'll take your calls, too. But first, here are some more of the top consumer stories we're following this week. We followed the demise of Sears Canada closely on this show, and now there's word that what's left of Sears in America may not be around much longer either. Sears has already closed 400 of its Sears or Kmart stores, but still has close to 900 left of the original 3,500 when Sears and Kmart merged back in 05. On Thursday, Sears announced the closure of 48 of the Sears store and 15 more Kmarts. Revenues are down another 30% for the first quarter of this year, and there are more stores likely to get shuttered soon. Sears is also looking for a buyer for its Kenmore brands to raise money. And naturally, Sears stock took a 13% hit on the news on Thursday. According to a report from job site Indeed.com, summer job posts are up 15% from the year before as of May, on top of a 23% jump from the previous year. Searches for summer jobs as a share of total job searches are also up 10%. Report author and Indeed Canada economist Brendan Bernard says the most common job postings show a lot of positions are geared towards students and teenagers returning to school in the fall. Many of the in-demand jobs are also seasonal, tied to industries like construction and home renovation that are more active during the summer months. The summer job market is also hotter in Canada than in the States. The share of job postings containing the word summer and the share of searches for summer jobs were twice as high here as those of our southern neighbors, which is really interesting because of the overall really low unemployment numbers in the States. A new study this week in the Journal of the Academy of Marketing Sciences suggests that loud music in restaurants and other food joints may increase the likelihood of poor food choices. The researchers from the University of South Florida went to Stockholm, of all places, for their experiments in restaurants. They played different types of music at different volume levels and discovered when the music was turned louder, people were more likely to order something that wasn't very good for them compared to ordering when the music was lower. Soft music is calming, calming rather, say the researchers. Loud music creates a vibe. It amps you up. This trend to louder music, of course, began back in the 90s and doesn't appear to be ending anytime soon. The scientists report this will allow restaurant managers to strategically manipulate music volume to influence sales. Certainly not a first. Just ask clothing stores and supermarkets. But this also confirms a lot of suspicions we've had about restaurants. Facebook is rapidly losing ground against rival Internet platforms in attracting and keeping teenagers, according to a Pew Research Center report, which confirms a trend seen in other surveys showing a sharp drop in Facebook's share of what has long been a core age segment segment for the huge social network. The survey, this just out a couple of days ago, found 51% of teens use Facebook compared with 
85% for YouTube, 72% for Instagram, and 69% are on Snapchat. The landscape has shifted since a survey uh, done a few years ago, uh, with Facebook then leading other social networks with a 71% of the teen segment. So that's a 20% drop in teen participation in three years. Other findings of the survey, 95% of the teens also said they used a smartphone, 45% were online almost constantly, with both figures showing increases from prior surveys. There was a split over the impact of social media on the lives of teens. The research found 31% of teens said social media has had a mostly positive impact. 24% said nah, social media, mm, totally negative. And the remaining 45% said it was neither. Oh, and police officers arrested the driver of a golf cart Tuesday morning after he was seen in, uh, driving it while drunk through a McDonald's drive through The driver was not loving it after the cops showed up to arrest him. He had driven the illegal road vehicle to a fast food joint in North Yorkshire, England. The stolen vehicle swiped from a golf club just a mile away from the burger store. And here's the write-up. This is the part I like from the British cops. Quote, the driver has been arrested for theft and driving whilst unfit through drink. A few interesting questions for him to answer in interview when sober. Oh, to be a fly on that wall. Those are some of this week's top consumer stories. We'll look at a few more later in the hour. Stay with us because coming right up after a quick break, we'll introduce you to an ergonomist and the founder of Ergocentric, makers of of the best office chair in the world. This is Vancouver Consumer on 980 CKNW. And welcome back to the program. Sterling Fox with you on this Saturday afternoon. Still kind of hazy and about 20 degrees. It's 313. A couple of guests in studio to introduce you to. Uh, our, our first guest is Terry Cassidy, and he is the founder and owner of Ergocentric. Terry's in just off the plane last night from Toronto. Hi, welcome back to Vancouver, Terry. Thank you very much. Great to be here. It's good to have you with us. And also joining us in studio is Dr. Jeff Wright. Dr. Wright is an ergonomist. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thank you. Tell us what on earth an ergonomist is, please, sir. Yes. The simple definition is the ergonomics is the science of people at work. Okay. And really what you're trying to do is center on the human and make sure that the tools and workspace and everything else that they work with is designed appropriately for them. So the focus is on... It's a human-centered design. Interesting. So, your and your original degree was in engineering. So, these are the skills you bring to this. Uh, and how did you two connect? Most recently, we were both on the committee um, drafting the new ergonomic standard that was just passed just uh, four months ago. Okay, for whom? By whom? Who would the standard be the administered Canadian, by? The Canadian Standards Association. Oh, okay. And it's an office ergonomic standard. Okay, and what are the what, what are the standards that now apply, Doctor Wright, uh, as a result of this this new policy uh, change in the in the last few months? Right. the The standard itself is written in concert with other standards that the CSA has, so it's all sitting within a safety management system approach. And so the Z four one two, which is the standard for office ergonomics, is is part of a host of other standards that exist. It's all designed to ensure the safety, health, and well-being of uh, employees and workers. 
Okay. Uh, Terry, tell us about Ergocentric, your, your company. How long have you been around? And uh, where's uh, headquarters? Uh, give us the, the elevator speech here. We're, we manufacture in Mississauga, Ontario. Okay. We distribute across the country and into the United States and into Europe. Um, we've been in business for 28 years. Uh, I was a lawyer, and uh, I, dis- I wanted to get into business. I always say I wanted to become a productive member of society. <laughs> My wife is a physiotherapist, so I wanted to find a business where her anatomy knowledge could be of assistance to me. Okay. So I didn't get into the furniture business. I got into the health and safety business. I started making ergonomic office chairs from the very beginning. Oh, really? So that was, that was always the mission statement right from the get-go. You didn't eventually sort of start one line and discover this as a, almost a byproduct of that. This has been the, this has been the focus right from the beginning. And and we haven't changed at all. The market's coming our way now, finally, and this ergonomic standard is evidence of that. So, Dr. Wright, how many uh, workplaces in, where, where people do a lot of sitting all day, every day, in Metro Vancouver would you estimate have proper ergonomically designed furniture for their staffs? I don't know of any studies that would give that an answer to that, but um, generally the focus is more on, uh, or the question would might be how many of the workers in these workplaces are getting signs and symptoms of uh, discomfort on a daily and on an ongoing basis. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, that is estimated to be, on based on studies, easily uh, 25% are reporting discomfort. Uh, in some studies, uh, and Terry will be able to tell us about one of the studies he commissioned, uh, the reports of discomfort are even higher than that. The key point from my perspective is how how often is that happening and is it on an ongoing basis? Because if it's an ongoing basis, it's going to lead to injury and illness and other unwanted uh, aspects of work. My experience with ergonomically designed furniture, Terry, is is almost on an individual basis. You'll go into a workplace and you'll see people using sort of the standard office stuff you'd find at any office supply, except over on the on the corner, there's one person with a really cool chair, and that person will have his or her own chair that perhaps they may have split the cost on because it's perhaps a little more expensive than the usual stuff. But nonetheless, they have that chair because they couldn't work without it. That's right. We call that being reactive. The way the industry works right now is big companies hire interior design firms when they move into a new office. Sure, yeah. And they're necessary. They design the space, the colors, the flow. But unfortunately, they're also tasked with picking the office chairs. Mm -hmm. And they tend to pick the office chairs based on aesthetics. And then they want, because they want this uniform look, everybody gets the same chair. Right. But our study shows... 60% of people are having pain and discomfort at the end of the day, and 38% say, I don't like my chair. Mm -hmm. So that's the problem. When you have everyone sitting on the same chair that an interior designer picked without the assistance of an ergonomist. So people react by bringing in different chairs after the fact. Talk to us a little bit, Terry, please, about the the types of discomfort we're talking about here. Jeff said that you've done a a fair bit of work and investigation into this area in terms of people and, and their extended bouts of discomfort in their workplaces? Well, I, sh- I really should let Jeff answer that question, because but it's it's back pain, neck pain, wrist, shoulder, hip, circulation okay. problems in the legs. Vir- virtually any part of the body 
depending on how someone has adjusted the chair and the workstation, mm-hmm. could be uh, could be they could be reporting symptoms of discomfort. Um, and technology changes all the time too, so it, it can change considerably. People are using smartphones a lot more now, and tablets and laptops. So you're seeing more neck injuries, for example, and discomfort in the neck based on on that alone. Uh, other aspects, uh, and what Terry's study was looking at was actually the characteristics of the chair and how many people felt that the chair was appropriate for them in the workplace. And, uh, you know, there are ergonomic criteria, which is contained in that CSA uh, Z412 standard that talks about characteristics, design requirements from an ergonomics perspective to assist uh, uh, that and ensure that virtually 100% of the people uh, are um, able to adjust and be comfortable in the workplace. Terry, one, uh, one of the uh, points you make on your website uh, is uh, we make chairs for two people. The person who sits in the chair and the person who pays for the chair. Uh, not necessarily the same individual in most cases. So is there, uh, with having properly, effectively, efficiently designed office furniture, is it prohibitively expensive? Is that why uh, a lot of these consulting companies that do entire offices and stuff go for uh, a lower quality product because of price? No, some of the big companies, they're willing to spend a lot of money on chairs, okay. but they outsource the decision to an interior design firm ah. that may specify expensive chairs, but based on the aesthetics and not on the ergonomics. So our seating is designed with a modular approach. So we, we, can, we have one chair that can fit more people than any other chair on the market, but no one chair can fit everyone. Mm-hmm. So what we do better than anyone is we will fit 100% of your workers. We have chairs for little people. We have chairs for people over 500 pounds. So you need to have, you need to be able to change the seats, change the arms, change the back, add headrests, uh, whatever it takes to fit individuals who aren't accommodated with the standard chair that everybody gets. Okay. Uh, Dr. Wright, uh, in, in some cases, uh, going back to price and, and the – it would be – wise for some of these companies uh, and their interior design consulting subcontractors to have, I'm sure, part of your work involves sitting down with organizations like that and counseling them on more appropriate ergonomic approaches to office design. Right. That's exactly the point. And in fact, that's what the Z412 CSA standard is saying, that an ergonomist should be involved in the design and redesign of office workspaces. So that uh, as an ergonomist, we're looking at functions, what what actually, how a chair functions and what work tasks that person is doing and what is appropriate configurations for the work tasks mm-hmm. they're doing uh, as opposed to just the aesthetics of uh, what it, what that workspace looks like. So the ergonomists are definitely much more function-oriented. And the point is exactly right about that partnership, uh, where you get your best overall outcome is when you combine the knowledge uh, that an ergonomist have with the knowledge um, that other people have, the skills with layouts and aesthetics. Okay, uh, Terry, when uh, when do you do uh, some of this sort of consulting work as well? Because you are the maker of the of the chairs and would like to see more of them in more workplaces. Are you actively out there uh, networking with uh, design consultants uh, for future office uh, commitments? 
Yes, well, I mean, all of our people are trained in, to help help people pick the right chair, but we're always recommending to large employers you should bring in a certified ergonomist okay. to help you make – they're independent people who can help you make your decision. Um, we don't tend to uh, network with interior designers. M- many, many years ago, I had lunch with an interior designer, and I spent – an hour and a half explaining the anatomy and biochemistry of the human body and the seated posture. Okay. The stresses caused by that mm-hmm. and how you need to design a chair to reduce those stresses. And when I was done, he said, yes, but a nice-looking chair makes people feel better too. Oh. So they're locked in with what they do, and that's part of what we're trying to change. Right. That, that, that's not a good answer. It's, it's more complicated than that. Okay, so let's talk about uh, now. The, the company you said is uh, manufacturing home qu- headquarters is in Mississauga, Ontario. Yes, it's been around for did you say twenty eight years? Yes. So, um, how many? Uh, well, how big was the line when you first started versus today? We, we started with two chairs, and I still have the black and white one sided brochure I started with, uh, and now it's it's a very broad line. Okay, how many uh, options are there for uh, seating possibilities? Well, we have about um, eight sort of series of chairs. Okay. The most recent you're sitting on now, the T-centric hybrid chair. But in terms of because it's modular and we can use different components, different arms, different backs, different seats, we can make thousands and thousands of different versions oh. to be able to fit everybody. Companies don't need to know that. They just buy one chair. But behind that, if you ever need a different chair for someone with special needs, we can do that too. Okay, now let's talk for a very brief second. This is radio, so uh, there's no pictures involved, but I am sitting on, what did you call the, this model? The, this is called the T-Centric Hybrid. The T-Centric Hybrid. i got to tell you, friends, this is one of the most comfortable chairs I've sat in in a long time. The, the, uh, our guests made arrangements to have one delivered to the radio station, so while I could have a sense of what we were talking about while, during our conversation, I actually rolled it into the studio for last hour so I could test drive it for an hour before you two got here and it is a heck of a ride it's really comfortable and the part that i like most about it is it's so lightweight it's it's really easy to uh i had to push it down the hall we had it stashed in a secret place and where it's going right back after this hour but it's very lightweight and yet really elegantly comfortable Thank you very much. Oh, pleasure entirely. Thanks for allowing uh, for having uh, make, making the effort to have one delivered down here to develop an appreciation for this. Is this sort of the top of the line, the uh, the all the bells and whistles model? It is, it's our latest chair, but it takes into account all the things. I have about twenty patents in my name, and it takes into account everything I've been developing over twenty eight years. We brought it all together in this chair. Interesting stuff. What sort of feedback have you got, and how long has it been out on the market? Well, it, there's still components of it being added, but it's about two years on the market now, it's, and it's turned out to be our fastest pickup in terms of a new chair. So oh, is that we're right? Very excited about it. Okay, and uh, is uh, where do you where do where does one go to buy a, a chair from Ergo Center? I don't recall off the top of my head. Now, Jeff, you live here in Vancouver. Now, uh, I don't recall an Ergo centric chair on West Broadway or any or a, a chair store. So, where mm. where does one buy these products then, Terry? Well, we, I mean, you can go to our website, ergocentric.com. Right. We have a retailer here in uh, Vancouver, Canada Chairlines, and they're at 256 West, West 7th Avenue. Okay. 
All right. And, and to then, answer and your then, question, they actually started on West 4th. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So, and, and you have uh, sales representatives uh, representing the ergocentric line based in Vancouver as well. One in Vancouver and one in Victoria. Is this a Canadian company or is your product, because it is, it's a delightful product, is it starting to catch on abroad as well? Yes, we distribute throughout the United States and into Europe now. Okay. And uh, is that sort is uh, and there would be I think especially the European marketplace would be a little more I don't know how much more but you'd get you get the feel they've been talking ergonomics Jeff over in Europe for a much longer period of time than we have and they've been paying attention to workplace ergonomics in Europe yeah. much longer than we yeah. have very very correct um, I can remember in the eighties going to uh, a conference in Sweden. And there they were showing electric uh, sit-stand desks. All right. Uh, and they haven't really sort of hit our marketplace until just recently, you know, within the last 10 years. Right. But, uh, yes, uh, definitely Europe was uh, and still is in many ways much further ahead in, in um, applying ergonomics uh, in the workplace. Right. Terry? So what, what we say for us being in Canada, um, we've taken – Ergonomics from we took ergonomics from Northern Europe, and married it with the robustness you need for the U.S. market. Aha! Uh-huh. And so we think that's why a Canadian company should make the best office chair in the world. Our guests in studio, the founder and owner of Ergocentric, Terry Cassidy, and Vancouver ergonomist, Dr. Jeff Wright. And we'll be back with lots more. Let's open up the phone lines. Got any questions for these people? Lines are wide open right now at 604-280-9898. And we'll take some of your calls and carry on. And welcome back. It's Sterling Fox with Terry Cassidy and Dr. Jeff Wright from Ergocentric in studio today. And uh, we just lost. We had Rick and North Van waiting ever so patiently on the phone board. And for some reason, I think I think it's my fault. I think I pressed the wrong button at the wrong moment. But Ben tells me that Rick, gentlemen, wanted to know about costs for the. And I'm sitting on the new top of the line hybrid chair. So let's start with that one, Terry. And and what are they worth these days? The T-centric hybrid can range from 500 to about $700. Okay. Depending on the features. Okay. And it, it, that that's that's fair. I I've I mean I, I've never been to an ergocentric store because there aren't any, but I've seen ergonomically designed office furniture in stores, and that price frankly seems pretty pretty consistent with what uh, what what's available from competitors? So it's uh, it's not over the top from where I'm sitting. Jeff, what did you want to well, add to this? I, I would just like to make the general comment about uh, a chair at about seven hundred dollars. In my view, is one of the best bargains that one can consider for a workplace. Um, considering that a, a properly designed chair, a well constructed chair, is going to last twenty years, mm-hmm. uh, doesn't give you uh, that much long to figure out that $700 amortized for over 20 years, you're paying maybe 50 cents a day. You could work it out exactly, Mm -hmm. but um, that's a very, very low cost when you consider the benefits because if you're in a proper uh, ergonomic chair, you're actually reducing considerably the risk of musculoskeletal discomfort in your workforce. And if you ever look at the cost of uh, musculoskeletal injuries in your workers, it far outweighs the cost of making sure that you've got a, a proper ergonomically uh, designed chair. Plus, I think, Terry, the bottom line for a lot of uh, company uh, purchasing types would be keep the, keep the employees happy. A happy employee is a 
productive employee. An employee who's walking around with back pain and all sorts of discomfort is not going to be putting out uh, to the same extent that uh, were they uh, in a much more comfortable uh, environment. Yes, and and the Leger survey that we just had done a few months ago showed that 60% of the respondents said they feel discomfort by the end of the day. Right. So that's 60% of employees not being as productive as they could be. Now, they tell you in the workplace, and Jeff, you're the ergonomist here. I'm sure you've heard this a million times. Well, you know, if you're feeling a little uh, stiff, you need to get up and go for a little walk around the workplace. Go get a cup of coffee, walk out to the front door, say hi to the receptionist, come on back to your desk. Get Move it around and get the blood flowing again. That'll that'll help a whole lot. Now, you've heard that a million, you're nodding a million times, whoa, 10 million times. So what do you say to that? Well, that's actually very good advice. Uh, what, what they have shown in some studies is that um, 10% of the hour, if you take a break, so for example, if you're taking a break every uh, 30 minutes of three minutes, uh, you're losing six minutes of uh, product productivity over the hour, but actually there's no drop in your level of productivity because it helps keep you refreshed and, as you're saying, uh, more productive. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of my favorite terms is actually the reverse of that, and that's on-site absenteeism. If you give somebody a bad chair, they are going to get up and they are going to have to move around Mm -hmm. and they're going to be up for much longer than that 10% of the work hour. So you're actually losing productivity by making sure uh, if you don't give them the uh, right uh, chair to be sitting in. Are there in workplaces, Terry, that are... Uh, unionized, where there's a little more muscle on the part of demands made by staff uh, with the expectation that they'll be delivered. Uh, in those sorts of, of work environments, is there are, have you seen in recent times more uh, insistence on better quality office furniture for workers? Yes, unions do drive a lot of health and safety, and, and they do care about office ergonomics. When we were getting Bell Canada's contract, I had to meet with the union leaders and convince them too. Okay. And, so, uh, so they're a part of the process. Okay. Right. And, and so, no, being sorry. part of the process is very important. When you look at the CSA standard, it's very clear that you are going to involve management and workers in that whole process. If you don't get input from the workers, you're missing tremendous opportunities to optimize the work situation. And, and that's why, for example, Terry just made the comment he did. It does actually result in a much better uh, work environment on all aspects, and particularly in the selection of products. Right. Now, Terry, you mentioned a Leger survey there just, just a couple of minutes ago, uh, a, a very uh, important part of being a successful company these days is research, market research, and, uh, and money devoted to research and development. So talk to us a little bit more about what you've been up to with your surveying and what you found. Well, the survey had some interesting uh, results. They, one of the answers was that 60% of people said they liked their chair. It gave them the support and comfort they needed. Yet 61% of people said they felt discomfort at the end of the day, which means about 20% of people who felt discomfort still said they liked their chair, Oh, which is an interesting result. My opinion is, and I've seen this in the workforce, when new chairs arrive and everybody gets the new chair and they all get the same chair, some people who don't like the chair think it's them. They're too tall or they're too heavy or they're too short. Right. Or they don't know how to adjust the chair and it's their fault. And so – and that's what we re- – that's my main message here today. If you don't like your chair, you're not doing your employer any favor by not talking – not speaking up. Okay. People – for too long, people just go, it's my fault. And it's not. We're all different. 
and it could be you need something different than the person sitting beside you. Interestingly, uh, one of the last things an employee is going to be doing is letting their boss know that they're uncomfortable in their chair. Uh, I'm amazed every time we do uh, assessments uh, on how many people are reluctant to say that they're in discomfort. Yes, I agree. And, and it's and surprising, it's very isn't it? Yeah. And the and other thing, people don't want to be accused of being a whiner or a malingerer or whatever, and and so they just they just grit their teeth and bear it. Right. And in fact, they do more than grit their teeth. They're actually usually taking some sort of painkiller. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what horrifies me as an ergonomist to to think that someone is maybe taking a, a painkiller three times a day just to get through the workday. That there's something awfully wrong, and usually there are uh, aspects of the workplace that can and should be changed for them, which are not cost uh, expensive to implement, and it makes a world of difference for them. Okay, back to the phone board here. Uh, we're in we're with Rick in North Van. Apologies for bumping you off my board, Rick. Uh, w- welcome back. Go ahead to our guest, please. Thank you kindly. So my first question was how much uh, were the chairs and your uh, producer uh, – answered that um, told me there range from five to seven hundred dollars so, correct uh, my follow-up questions were um, what colors do they come in oh okay sorry well, the, the, what colors what colors yeah the t-centric hybrid is is a mesh chair and it has a black frame and a gray frame um, but the upholstered parts of the chair if you get an upholstered seat virtually any color you want oh okay so customizing can be easily arranged yes okay anything else Rick yeah, and uh, what's the warranty on these? Ah, good question. I was going to get to that myself. Good question. I'll send you back to your radio, and thanks for getting back to us. What about warranties on this, uh, Terry? You're the owner. It's 12 years, parts and labor. Oh, my. Okay. Yep. That's impressive. Yes. And that's that's the whole deal, right? Yes. I mean, and that that's what I think it should be, and uh, it's a, a quality chairs have, have good warranties com- compared to many other products, so. Okay. Well, that, that's important to know. Uh, Dr. Wright, uh, one of my colleagues, Jill Bennett, uh, whose show I'm doing this weekend as well, loves the uh, height-adjustable uh, tables and desks. She has one. I'll show it to you on, on your way out. And she uses it constantly, uh, as do a couple of, of her colleagues in, in the building. But she's probably there are very few people using it in our workplace here at NW. But I see them more and more frequently. How popular is this height-adjustable workstation or desk coming on? Right. The, uh, from an ergonomics perspective, uh, having an electrical height-adjustable workstation is very, very uh, good. It, it allows you to accom- accommodate 100% of the people in the workforce, usually. And that goes from employees that are 5 feet up to employees that are 6'7". Uh, you get a tremendous height range in electric sit-stand desks. Um, the other aspect to it, which is, is interesting, is that it does allow people to have postural variety. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that is beneficial on many fronts, uh, particularly for people with uh, back discomfort. Um, I've had a few back injuries myself, and on one of them I couldn't sit, on the other I couldn't stand, on the other I had to move between all th- both positions. So if, if you have a sit-stand desk in your workplace, when if you happen to tweak yourself while you're out gardening – You've got an immediate intervention built right into to the desk that you're at. How long has Ergocentric been making a height adjustable uh, work desks, Terry? Just about three years now. Okay, and we, what brought you to it? Well, I wanted to stay focused on seating because we're the experts on that. 
But then you're probably aware the media started having stories about sitting is the new smoking. And sitting will kill you. Right, right. Um, and so I started thinking, well, we should be able to. We should be getting into the furniture side, but also the price of height adjustable electric height adjustable tables came down dramatically just in the last few years. And so now you can get an electric height adjustable desk for about the same price as a standard as a fixed desk. So. Oh. So that's what brought me into it. And, right. and offices are getting away from cubicles and into more of a desking. Right. And so we don't make cubicles. Now the furniture is kind of coming our way. But I want, one thing I want to make clear is when people buy a height-adjustable desk, they think they're supposed to use it to stand all the time. Right. And, and that's wrong. Oh, okay. So you could start uh, your workday sitting and then maybe after lunch uh, press a button and raise the desk up and spend the afternoon standing up? I actually uh, suggest the other way around because okay. when you come in in the morning, uh, when you leave at night, you should raise it up. When you come in in the morning, what's the first thing you're likely to do? You're going to be scanning your emails course, to yeah. see. That's very easy to do while you're standing. Mm-hmm. Once you realize that you've got a report to write or something like that, that's when you want to sit um, because we are much more used to working and working and writing reports in a seated position. Um, so again, if you're going to go on a coffee break, raise your sit-stand desk before you go for coffee. So when you come back, you're going to scan emails again. Mm -hmm. So getting variations in how often you use it during the day can be built into a a pretty routine schedule. And that's, that's uh, that's, I suppose, really, Terry, that's the the, the bonus, if you will, for the user because uh, it's not intended to be stand-only or sit-only. It's intended to to provide variety in your, throughout your work day. That is the main benefit. The other benefit is that even f- everybody has height adjustable chairs, but if your desk isn't height adjustable, you're not at the optimal posture. So even for people while they're sitting, if you look in our office, everybody has an electric height adjustable desk, and they're all at different heights while they're sitting right? because they're all different heights people. So some employers might buy height adjustable desks, and if people aren't standing, they think they're not using them. But they are if they've all used them to get at the perfect height for them even while they're sitting. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm just flipping through the website, which is ergocentric.com, friends. And, and one of the things in, in the well-being section of the website, it's a good website, too. Lots of good information there. I like the diagrams and all of the little uh, explanations of all of what all these buttons and, and, and uh, gizmos do on the chairs. But you talk about encouraging a balance of support and movement. What do you mean by that, Terry? Well, the human body is not inherently stable, so... If you, if you were sitting and you fainted, you'd fall down. Mm-hmm. So you're using posture muscles to stay upright. So you want the chair to support you to make it less difficult to stay upright. So the curvature of the seat pan, the backrest, the lumbar support, even the armrests help you stay upright in a healthy posture while using less muscle activity to do so. But you don't want to be in one position all day. So you can use the adjustments of the chair to change your posture. And, the day. and again, as an ergonomist, Jeff, you would probably recommend that, that whole notion of variety allowing uh, a more, I, I just think in just terms of your body, more fluidity throughout the day. Just everything would be just a little bit smoother. Yeah, changing posture throughout the day is important. You want to be very careful, though, about the postures you do get into. Uh, the concept Terry described is exactly right. You don't want to be fighting gravity. And if you go into a workplace and you look at some people's posture, they were adopting a posture where basically their muscles are having to work against gravity, and gravity is going to win every time. 
And, you know, you're also in a workplace for eight hours a day. So nobody can fight gravity for eight hours. True. So you want to, you want to be in a, what we often refer to as a, a gravity neutral position. You want to be balanced and centered at all times, whether you're sitting or standing. You've been making this product, Terry, for a couple of decades, almost three. Uh, when you bring, introduce these, uh, chairs, particularly into a new workplace environment, what's the, give us some typical reactions here. What do people say, especially if they've never tried them before? Well, they, people love getting their new chairs. Um, we have to go in and, and we make sure everybody's fitted with the right chair and we show them how to adjust their chair. Mm-hmm. Um, Which, Terry, I must say, friends, was very patient with me and walked me through all of the instructions on what does what uh, on the chair that I had. And you've got several patents on this chair, so you're rather proud of this. And you were doing a little showing off in the process, and it was fun. So I appreciate that. But what other other feedback from first-timers? Um, well, it, and it depends on what chairs they had before. Quite a few people are sitting in really bad chairs, and mm-hmm. so they're very thankful and happy to have new seating. So it's, uh, you call it chair envy. If, if only one person gets the new chair, everybody else wants one too. But so it's that, interesting, you know, Jeff, when you go to the president's office, he's usually sitting or she is usually sitting in some huge leather thing that looks like it's, you know, portion of a sofa with a couple of arms on it. It's the big deal chair that probably costs, well, you, you imagine how much it costs. I, I, I mean, it looks comfortable, but it doesn't look like the kind of chair that person's going to get a heck of a lot of work done in. It looks like you could take a nap more than do your job. Right. Uh, you have to be very careful about big chairs like that. Uh, more and more, we're getting female executives mm-hmm. at the top level. Well, a female executive is not going to be as tall as perhaps the her predecessor uh, was. That big chair isn't going to meet the ergonomics requirements for her, plain and simply. Sure. It's just not right for her. So that's why in the CSA standard, we refer to making sure that you're getting products that are accommodating all employees a hundred percent of them, and whether it's the chief executive officer or whether it's the clerk in uh, in front of a computer, you've got to make sure that the products are right for them. I would argue that that big executive-looking chair is there for appearance; it's not functional. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a statusy thing. Huh? That that's our role as an ergonomist to point out why it's not functioning properly for them and why it could lead to discomfort uh, for them. Okay. Uh, Terry, only got a couple of seconds left here. I wanted to thank you for coming in. Uh, and as far as, as the chair goes and people learning more uh, about the standards that Dr. Wright has been talking about, where can we go to find out more about what we're entitled to in a workplace? I mean, we don't want to be necessarily the whiners or whatever, but, you know, we do. If we're experiencing discomfort in the workplace, um, uh, now we know that there are standards at play. How do we find out where those standards are and how they apply to me in my workplace and what actually I may raise a little complaint about? Well, I mean, our timing is right with this new CSA Z412 uh, 2017 standard that now is is the reference and that's what employees should use to explain to their employer what they're talking about okay so uh, on a google search what would you look for 
Uh, just you can Google uh, to CSA Canadian Standards Association, okay, right? And they have a they have a, a store uh, feature there, but they'll give a brief description of their various standards, and you could just put in either the number or just put in office ergonomics because it is a standard. The previous versions were guidelines, but now it is a standard with shall and must statements in it. So you're right; it will make it easier for employers and employees to realize what they should be putting in their workplace. Well, that's a good bit of information to leave us with at the end of the show, gentlemen, that uh, we know uh, we now f- know that there are places where we can go. And if we're feeling a little less than uh, well served in our workplace, which is preventing us from in turn being the productive human being we know we can be, well, then somewhere in the middle of all that might be the, uh, the uh, new chair as right. the right answer. And there's also the source of the Association of Canadian Ergonomists, and uh, there's information on their website about how to um, find an individual knowledgeable and certified in ergonomics. Excellent. Okay. And by the way, friends, the best place to start is ergocentric.com. Terry Cassidy, thanks for coming in. We appreciate your uh, making the trip out from Toronto and, uh, uh, and, and filling us in on, well, the world's best office chair. And I must say, testimonial time, boys and girls. It's a really comfortable ride. It has been excellent this afternoon. I appreciate it. And Dr. Wright, a pleasure to meet you, Jeff. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. We're back after this. And once again, our thanks to Terry Cassidy and Dr. Jeff Wright for a very informative visit. We appreciate your calls as well. Next week, we'll talk family law with the Zuckerman Law Group, and we'll get a fresh Vancouver market real estate update from John Carlson at 1% Realty. Time now for Duly Noted. And today, our producer, Ben Dooley, takes a look at yesterday's increases to the B.C. minimum wage. Thanks, Sterling. The first of four annual increases has come for British Columbia's lowest paid workers. As of June 1st, people who earn minimum wage in this province will be paid $12.65 an hour, which marks a $1.30 increase. Liquor servers will also see an increase but will receive an hourly minimum wage of $11.40. Here's Ian Tostenson, president of the BC Restaurant and Food Services Association, on how the change will affect his industry. Too early to tell what that's going to happen. I mean, the good news is we're going into the business season right now. One of the biggest challenges the industry does have is a labor shortage, and but which, which is interestingly unrelated to the wages we pay because the restaurant industry pays well. Servers in our industry make 30 to $40 an hour, and the wages and kitchens are going up. So our biggest concern right now, apart from rising costs, is a labor shortage. The next three annual increases should bring the minimum wage up to $15.20 per hour by 2021. The separate lower liquor server wage is also expected to be scrapped altogether. I'm Ben Dooley, and that's Dooley Noted. Thank you, Ben. Time for a couple more consumer quickies before we have to go. More cougar sightings this week in North Van, another in Port Moody at Burt Flynn Park on Wednesday. The cougar wasn't being aggressive there and seemed to be avoiding people, but they advise if you plan on trekking to either area, be alert at all times, keep children close by, and leash your dogs. And, of course, yesterday we had news of two cougars Cougars being killed in Port Coquitlam near Chelsea Park. One of the cats was stalking a conservation officer. This comes just a week after Port Moody had to close a section of Belcara Park due to wandering bears. If you are outdoors, consuming the great outdoors, especially in the forest, remember it's spring and there are lots of animal babies around along with their very protective mothers. Keep the dogs leashed, stay together, you don't have to be afraid, just be aware. 
and careful. City of Vancouver published its car-free day schedule this week, and for the 14th year, we'll be able to enjoy a shutdown of a few streets, all in the name of community and good times. In order, here they are. The West End Festival will see Denman closed all day, Saturday, June 16th, that's two weeks from today. The next day, Sunday the 17th, the Main Street Festival, Main Street will be closed for the day, and finally, Italian Days on the Drive will happen on Commercial Drive, Sunday, July 8th, for the Commercial Drive Festival. Festival, noon to 7 at all three events. That is our program for today, produced by Ben Dooley with Andrew Ferreira at the controls. If you have any thoughts or suggestions for the show, we'd certainly appreciate hearing them. Uh, shoot them along to sterling at cknw.com. I'm Sterling Fox. Please join us again next Saturday afternoon at 2 for another edition of Vancouver Consumer, right here on 980-CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.